The Dragonry Red is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that armadillos can't read? So, I don't know what we're doing here. Yeah, I think we've just been kind of faking it <laughs> this whole time. For more Armadillo facts and to find out how you can access episodes a day early and check out how you can find our sweet merchandise online, check us out at armadillo.club. Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread, where we're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I'm Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 24 through 28 of The Eye of the World again. Previously, our Two Rivers crew crashed in an ancient, cursed city and found the inhabitants to be pretty uncool. Between Mordeth, the Mist Tentacles, and the Army of Shadowspawn, you'd almost think that they weren't actually welcome there. <laughs> so they scatter and leave. Rand, Matt, and Tom hitch a ride with Bale Delmon, headed for the White Bridge, uh, with Nynaeve, Lan, and Moraine hot on their trail. Bella, Perrin, and Egwene decide to trust in their natural sense of direction and just hoof it across country to Camelin and are immediately lost. <laughs> Luckily, Elias and his friendly pack of wolves take them in, informing Perrin that he has cool-ass wolf powers. He just can't seem to chill out and enjoy them, though. Yeah, he's like, I'm not interested in any wolf stuff until at least book four. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 24, Flight Down the Arenel. Icon of the loot. Uh, but Alzaman is stalking Rand through his dreams, a, a scary maze, and so whatnot. So, for keeping track, this is definitely uh, a, a, a spooky Alzaman dream. Like, yeah, not just a regular... 100%, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a normal Rand uh, dream. This reminded me of the ways, you know, how... It's these weird, this weird labyrinth that you know, with platforms above other platforms, and the geometry doesn't make sense. Oh, I yeah. had the same thought. Yeah, uh, the 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 floating maze with interconnected yeah. stuff. You know. Well, but, the, the thing I noticed too is he also had the mirror thing with like a bunch of different about ten thousand balsamons. It says through like a broken mirror. Yeah. Which is some, which is kind of similar to some of the bubbles of evil because wasn't there a mirror one? And then there was also one where like a playing right. card. Wait, was it the mirror one? And there was a bunch of rands that were fighting him, and then there, Matt had a playing card that like it stabbed him stabbed in the hand, him. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that happened later, so yeah, that did. So I guess that's just sort of a Balsamon theme. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's all impossible architecture with skulls and bones and, and thorns, and it's really sweet, actually. Yeah, yeah it's very, you know, very metal setting. Yeah, forsaken chic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rand almost gets caught, but he, manages, he reminds himself that it's all a dream and is able to wake up, but <gasps> a thorn prick on his hand. Was it just a dream or not? It was still a dream, but you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, the little, the little tricks get a little old. Yeah, right? It's like, it stops being scary after like the fourth time. It's just yeah. like, okay, yeah. We so they're it. sailing downriver uh, with Bail Domon on the ship. Uh, Domon is driving a hard pace for the crew, and the crew is bordering on mutinous. And Gelb is, Gelb is kind of like trying to drum people up, but they're not really, they're not really fans of Gelb. No, yeah, everybody just hates Florin Gelb. It's, uh, and Matt, it's also, Tom is also like this entire time uh, being really buddy-buddy with the crew, so he's kind of like trying to counteract it subtly, you know? Yeah. I thought he's, that was kind of clever. Right, he's like, he's like, we did pay for our passage, and now I'm going to play my song so that we don't get our throats cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It reminded me of Roller Coaster Tycoon. Did you guys ever play that? Uh, yeah, I think Don't I did, yeah. Well, when the, when the lines got really long, you could hire a mascot to walk up and down the line to entertain people because they'd be less mad. Basically Tom, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and 
Matt is super broody and he's alone a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This is the this is the beginning of that really frustrating dagger arc. You know, it's like yeah. corrupted dagger mat is by far the worst mat. I remember it coming on a little bit more slowly than this, but it's it's been like a day since they were at Shadow Logoth and he's already kind of evil. Yeah. And, yeah. and suspicious and paranoid. Definitely turned inward, you know? Yeah. Tom is teaching them all uh, glee manning as a cover for what they're doing. It's it's funny because like these this is this is this introduces traits that a lot of these characters carry throughout the entire series, right? Like mm-hmm. Matt's juggling, for example, is something he does a lot, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Whenever he's got some time, he's like just juggling in the background. Um, and I guess Rand, I, I'm trying to remember, does Rand play instruments later? Well, as he as he's going through, only when they're supporting themselves, I think. Yeah. As, yeah. As traveling half glee mans, glee boys. I mean, that's great though. Like that is those are some good skills to learn. It's yeah, very marketable. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Why from, would like, anybody be a world, glee right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They should abandon all this devil dream stuff and just go be Gleemans and Ilian. Yeah, Seriously. that sounds great. Or anywhere. You can get free transport and places to stay if you get real good. Yeah. Uh, so they, they see the sights of the world as they travel. Yeah, yeah this, they do. This cliff carved with 100-foot monarchs and a tower made of steel. We know what that is. Yeah. Tower of Genji. With no entrance. With no entrance, that's right. And uh, Beldomon tells them about a hand sticking up 50 feet from the ground holding a giant crystal on the Isle of Tremalking, right. which now we know is the Choden Call. Yeah, uh, and, and he talks about uh, uh, what sounds like a radar dish, like a, a dish a mile yeah. wide with a, a post in the middle of it. But Except it, everybody dies when they get within 50 yards of it or something. Yeah, right? I don't think that's not true of like Arecibo, right? You don't, I don't think so. I hope not. Also talks about things in the Panarch's Palace uh, built from the Age of Legends. There's like skeletons of animals that no one's ever seen. Yeah. Like that. And they're going to go there. Nynaeve Detective Agency is going to go there. They are. Yeah. Book, I don't know, 17 or something. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff. A lot of, uh, a lot of references to the world. I, this is, this is stuff that kind of stops happening in, in pretty quickly. I think it drops off after the second or third book. Yeah. Uh, there's still occasionally these elements, but it, I, I, I love these, these little hints and, and, uh, these little like snippets of, of world building that, that happen here. Yeah. It's very tantalizing. Mm-hmm. I think that's why Bale Dolmon is such a memorable character, right? Because he's, he's the one that says, you know, you don't explore for treasure, you explore to see the wonders of this amazing world. Yeah. Which is really neat. Well, the wonders of the world that was amazing. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> this world's kind of crappy. Yeah. And getting crappier, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bale Dolman's trying to sell them on the idea of wandering the world, and Rand's like, nope, I'm going home. And mm-hmm. Matt's like, nope, I'm, you know, going to take this treasure or whatever. No, I think maybe I'm going to corrupt the whole world <laughs> with evil. Maybe that's my plan. Yeah. yeah. Then Rand has a, a bout of channeling craziness, mm-hmm. uh, but where he goes up on the mask and acts a fool, uh, which, but that leads him to see that Matt has got the dagger. Yeah. And Matt says, don't tell anybody about it. And Rand's like, okay, because Rand's not really smart. Yeah, he admits he stole it from Shadow Logoth, and Rand is like, okay, I won't tell anyone, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Chapter 25, The Traveling People, Icon of the Leaf. Egwene and Perrin are traveling with Elias and the wolves. Um, Perrin realizes at this point that he can actually sense where the wolves are when they're mm-hmm. coming and going, when they're getting close, and uh, he decides to file that one away for later. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to deal with this right now. Yep, the wolves are guarding Perrin's dreams. Yeah. And Perrin's like, boy, I hate these wolves. They really creep me out. Oh, come on, dude. It's like, come on. This is like the best power. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I liked when Igwain tried to bully Elias into riding, and he just gives her the, the golden eyes stare. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which Perrin's going to do, I think, a lot later in the books without realizing it. <laughs> yeah. Another like, great perk, right? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of this, like, and somebody said something I didn't like, and I didn't know how to respond, and so I just looked at them, and then they freaked out, and they took it back. <laughs> it's interesting, because they're talking about the wolf hierarchy and how Dapple is the the, the, the queen, mm-hmm. and um, Hopper is basically her warder, which I thought was cool. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. that's right, yeah. And it seems sort of like Dapple is... Uh, Elias's buddy in the way that Hopper becomes Perrin's buddy. It kind of mm-hmm. seems like they have a bond. Yeah, that could bond. be it. Because Dapple will, will do what Elias needs done. Yeah. yeah. Then after a few days, they run into some tinkers. Yeah. There's some that? very scary dogs, and Elias is able to call them off with a whistle. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting that Elias, Elias seems to know so much about the tinkers. I, I was trying to remember, mm-hmm. and I looked it up, there isn't anything about Elias' history with the tinkers. And I was like, he wasn't yeah. a former tinker or anything like that. I just, assume he's just hung out with them a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he just runs into them because they're also nomadic. Yeah. yeah. He knows their traditions, he knows their, 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 their sayings and all that stuff. And it's interesting. He, he talks a big game about how he doesn't like people and you know, people suck and tinkers suck the most. But, you know, I think deep down inside, he wants a little human connection, right? He's, he's not like. all wolf, right? He's not like that one guy that, that went full wolf. Oh, also, when they first run into the Tinkers, Egwene drops some, like, hardcore Tinker racism. <laughs> like... <laughs> Absolutely. You can count on Egwene to just lay that right out there. Yeah. They're both... Both the Emmons Fielders are pretty shitty about it. Yeah. Like, get over it. Yes, they have bright clothing, but, like, they're feeding you. They open you. They open know, welcome these you. These are the, literally the nicest people that... that Exist in these books, right. right? The nicest people in the entire world. Yeah, right. but and their culturally. clothing is so bright. <laughs> she, can Ugh. you believe she's wearing a yellow top with a red dress? <laughs> I know. I was like, that actually doesn't cl- like that actually kind of goes together, right? Yeah, yeah right? probably. Yeah, like golden red, not that bad. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, when they when they do get to the camp, Elias greets the leader using the formal tinker greeting, mm-hmm. and uh, he actually ends up knowing this particular leader by name and title. Yeah, this is Ryan. Yeah. And they talk a little bit about the song. We find out a bunch about the Tinkers, how they're wandering, looking for the song. And I, I, it made me think, is this the only society, the only people that have existed in an unbroken form since the Age of Legends? Yes, absolutely. I think, right? Because the Aiel are the only ones that exist kind of like as a genetic line, but they are ex-tinkers essentially right yeah yeah their society is kind of broken and been reformed in a different way yeah but i think the tinkers are the only culture that exists the and the song like, is actually the song of like of life or whatever right yeah, it actually like like it's no joke it's a real song that like causes life and magic and is amazing and if they found it it would like make the world bountiful and wonderful forever that's right yeah They're yeah. right about that and at the and I'm jumping ahead a little, but speaking of the song, at the end when they leave, Elias says, "I will find the song, or another will find the song, but the song will be sung this year or in a year to come." And so it was. So shall it be, world without end. Yeah, yeah. that's really sweet. It is. It's a sweet concept, and it's really sweet of Elias in particular to say that. But they don't ever find it in the books, do they? Yeah, they don't. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, mean, I think the song doesn't exist anymore, really. Yeah. I mean, they know what it is. Mm-hmm. And maybe Rand... Oasis, right? Wonderwall? No, it was Heya. No way. Not, not Oasis. <laughs> Heya, maybe. <laughs> but after all. Uh, but yeah. I think the, it's Freebird, personally. <laughs> I, 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 just, I, I really dig the Tinkers. Um, like their, their, their culture, their, 
the color, the music, like everything about them, I, I really enjoy. Yeah, it's it's like paradise, right? They, yeah. It's just this rolling party where they wander around and see different things, and everything is peaceful, and they, they dance and sing constantly. Uh, I question the economics of this. Oh yeah, absolutely right. Like, cause they don't they don't grow things, right? So as far as I can tell, their only way of like trading is through tinkering, like they're they're yeah. repairing of things, right? So they they only eat vegetables. They don't eat meat, right? Yep. So where are they getting those? You but, can forage as you go. They don't, yeah, it doesn't but, say that they're doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, you'd they, have to be do you'd have to do that a lot, right? And also the. The and there's a, there's a whole big deal about how this land that they're in right now really sucks. Exactly forward. right. Yeah. That is a good point. Yeah, they uh, somehow they get veggies. Yeah, huh. I think that's a little sketchy. You like, know? as far as I know from from actual real world traveling people, they they kind of exist only where there's kind of heavy civilization that they can trade with and be around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. How the fuck do they get across the waste? Uh, yeah, right. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of they produce in the they, waste. They, they eat the poisonous snakes or whatever. Yeah, huh. that's the thing they don't talk about, that tinkers are uh, immune to uh, snake poison. Like, Venom, sorry. They're fun, but it's a dumb idea. Because like it, we've talked about before, the idea of complete pacifism does not stand up in a role where there are literal evil, evil creatures. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, yeah like you, I'd want to party with the tinkers, but definitely not the place that you want to... Like, like live. It feels like there should be an exception for Trollocs and Mirdral and stuff. Like you know, we don't fight unless it's Trollocs, and then we kill them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you gotta wonder. Yeah, because uh, they talk about like not harming other humans, not harming. You'd, see, you'd think the Shadow Spawn would not fall into that, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. But still, these chapters are. I guess it's only like one chapter. I remember it longer in my memory just because it's so cool. Yeah. When Perrin and Egwene are hanging out with them, uh, they meet all the Tinkers. They meet Ryan and Ila. Who are kind of the leaders, and they meet Aram, their Our, uh, OG fuckboy. Yes, yep. indeed. The, the 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 wheel always spins out a fuckboy. <laughs> yeah, the the fuckboy of legend, Aram. <laughs> yeah. And like Egwene is immediately super super into him. Oh come, Egwene! Yeah. She's doing her thing where she like becomes more part of the culture than the people that are actually part of the culture. Yeah. Also, this guy, is, this is totally setting her up for her relationship with. Gawain, Gawain, right? Oh my god, you're right. You're right. Yeah, like the, uh, the other fuckboy, you know? She just has a terrible taste in dudes. She really does, yeah. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is her first bad bad, bad relationship decision <laughs> of the ones that end her life. Well, I love that, like, the two of them are, you know, sniffing each other, and Perrin interrupts and is like, hey, what's up with those dogs? And Aram looks at him and immediately clocks that he is not a threat for a Gawain. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Looks at him for a minute and he's like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> but Aram, uh, you know, Aram has a pretty sad arc in the end, right? Like, you know, between him, like, betraying the, the Tinker livelihood and following Perrin around and becoming this kind of, like, corrupted, you know, like, insane person. Like, yeah. it's kind of miserable. A Dragonsworn or a Dark Friend or something like that. It's, yeah. all, it's all very unclear. And then he just dies in a really, in a kind of anticlimactic way with an arrow to the throat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,. But that's long in the future. For now, Aram and Egwene are dancing, and they, they party, they get jiggy with it. Yep. <laughs> People uh, still say that, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the kids do. No, 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 no. But eventually they, they, they have a philosophical discussion in which they get into the, the trade-off for all this like, cool-ass partying, right? Yeah, which, yeah, which the is way the way of the you, leaf. You, have to, you follow the way of the leaf, which means you don't fight anybody, and you basically get robbed everywhere, and you have to travel everywhere, because everybody hates you all the time, because your life is so amazing, and their kids always want to join you. I, 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 
every time I read this section or, or read about this part, I can't, it feels a little bit almost like a philosophical insertion that, that maybe there's some like Jordan, like perception about this idea of pacifism, right? Like he, he doesn't seem to idealize this. So it's almost like he's showing them, showing how foolish it is in a way. Right. Yeah. I think they're a foil. Yeah. He also experienced like the reactions to the Vietnam War. You had those people who went off and like lived on communes and stuff like that. Yeah, true. So these these would be like the 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 anti-war protesters when the soldiers go away, right? Yeah, they're they're hippies, right? Yeah. And I think uh, I think their purpose is to be uh, a lure to Perrin away from the the things that he needs to do, but for him to ultimately choose violence. As yeah. the appropriate solution to his problems. Yeah, yeah. The axe is uh, cooler than the hammer or whatever. He, he <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ryan tells Elias a story of an Aiel woman who talked to a tinker, which they never do, uh, and, and said this a bunch of stuff about uh, Sightburner and He Who Comes with the Dawn and so, so forth, which doesn't make any sense to them, but we know is a prophecy that the dragon is reborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, actually, I was actually struggling with this a little bit. So her, let's see... She- I have it here if you Thank want you. it. Yeah, go ahead. Leaf blighter means to blind the eye of the world, lost one. He means to slay the great serpent. Warn the people, lost one. Sightburner comes. Tell them to stand ready for he who comes with the dawn. Tell them. And then she died. Yeah. Yeah. Like blinding the eye of the world. Like we know the eye of the world is now. We know is a, just a giant pool of uh, magic Can- juice. <laughs> yeah. uh, so like, what, is, yeah, what do you think it would mean to blind the eye of the world, you know? I guess to uh, expend it or destroy it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe it's just poetic. It occurred to me reading this now for the fifth time or something, that this woman that talked to the Tinkers was probably a wise one because none of the other Aiel know that the Tinkers are part of the, are the people. Oh. They're the same as the Aiel. Oh, that's maybe, a good point. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. and because the... Because Ryan was like, they never talk to us, right? But a wise one would have known would, to go to them and tell them to tell the people. That's a yeah. really good point, yeah. Although it did, totally didn't work because they did not get the message at all. No. no. Nope. Then they travel on. Chapter 26, Whitebridge, icon of the loot. Rand, Matt, and Tom have made it to Whitebridge, which has a really cool white bridge. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they nailed it with a name, right? Absolutely. It sounds yeah. super cool. Why is it called Whitebridge? Well, because of the giant-ass white bridge. Yeah, you that... see that bridge right there, the white one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Matt is being super weird. Like he's he's got this weird. Like he's it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. serious. Yeah, it's totally. It's like he's been hollowed out and he's more death, Matt yeah. death or something at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it, it's it makes you wonder why anybody's putting up with him. Uh-huh. He's more jerk. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. 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 The the white bridge is very cool. This this beautiful impossible span of like looks like glass across the river. Must be left over from the Age of Legends, or, or maybe, maybe not? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it have to be. I can't, yeah. I can't think that there would have been magical technology to make something like this much, much, much longer after the Age of Legends. Yeah. And they, they leave the boat behind, although Bail Domon gives them a pitch on uh, you know, keeping a work on his boat so that yeah. uh, Tom can keep the mutineers from killing him. <laughs> and also they can go down to Ilion and be, be Gleemans. Yeah, you know, I gotta say... Tom yet again turns this down. This is a great opportunity, right? Bail Dalman gives them their money back. Yeah, gives them their money back, and he's like, yeah. "I'll, I'll double it," you know. Yeah. And for for Gleeman, this is like legit, you know. Yeah, this would be another good time for Tom to loot to to leave and, and not get uh, slaughtered. Yep. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he doesn't go for it. Yeah. Gelb also gets booted off at this point, and you know that guy's clearly going to be trouble. Yep. Yep. And then uh, they head in, and Tom gets the news from an innkeeper. 
Uh, Loghain has been captured by the Aes Sedai after a battle. There's a whole bunch of refugees, like I guess Loghain's armies have fled. The Aes Sedai are parading Loghain through the, the lands, and they're going to go through Camelon. Yeah, incarceration tour, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, got, I got to say, the, the innkeeper uh, here is dirty with a dirty inn, so probably not a cannibal, right? Mm-hmm. But a bad person. Yeah. Like a bad innkeeper. And uh, Ilian has called the Great Hunt for the Horn, which I think we never really get a good explanation of what the heck that is. Uh, except... Right? I mean, they, that's, they, they call the hunt for the horn, that's just a bunch of people show up, and they do it every hundred years or so. And they go out and just have adventures. I guess. And nobody ever finds the horn, because yeah. it's in the eye of the world. <laughs> right? Like, this is the, the kind of sad thing, right? Yeah. And when they ask if the others have been through, uh, the guy freaks out because a bunch of people, like everybody coming through town has been asking for these people. Yeah. Fame came through and weirded everybody out. And then a mirror draw came through and super weirded everybody out. Yeah. So first of all, I, I guess, I mean, we know this is patent fame, but I guess they don't, they don't pick up on it. The Rand probably should have made some kind of connection here, right? Yeah. Rand, come on, man. <laughs> like this is definitely patent fame, right? Yeah. Uh, and, but at this point he's, we know he's gotten his more death infusion. So he's like gotten even like wilder, right? Mm-hmm. So at this point he probably has both his dark one, like brain siphon and the more death, right? Yes. So he's like fully. So he's being you know, filled juiced. up with more death and yeah. the brain siphon, but he hasn't been through the Machin Shin stuff yet. Right. So there's still another like la- another layer of uh, evil to toss in there. Yeah. It's like a like a three bean casserole of evil. But also like the fa- the idea that a Mirdral is coming into town and like asking around about them. This is a little weird, right? Like, do Mirdral do that in the I, later books? That kind of thing. They, I don't think they ever do that again, but. But Lan is always saying, like, you know, in the borderlands, you can't wear a hood over your head in case you're a Mirdral. That's a good point. Just so, the idea of Mirdral so thing they do. passing for human is real weird to me, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, like, the, I, I wrote it down. The, the innkeeper said the Mirdral's voice sounded like a snake crawling through dead leaves. And you're like, and you're, you're just like, like, that's fine? Sit down and have a drink? Yeah. <laughs> he was wearing, like, a Groucho Mount Merks thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, like, the, mustache. the yeah. big fake mustache. They yeah. put the googly eyes on. <laughs> <laughs> But but it also they they also said it like appears randomly and then disappears again. So maybe even if you knew what it was, you couldn't really do much. Yeah, better. yeah. But then uh, after hearing this, Tom tries to talk random Matt into fleeing to Ilian and and leaving this life of danger behind. Yeah, fuck all this isodized shit. Let's go be horn hunters or whatever, right? Yeah, which they should have did, but they didn't. Yeah, that would be a different book. And then they divvy up the money. And uh, Tom gives them his uh, equipment and does all the things you would do if you were just about to die. <laughs> I know, right? He's like, I, I think it's going to be fine, but in case something happens to me, it's like, you never say that, man. You know? I also thought uh, Rand, when they divvy up their money, Rand mentions that he wishes he still had Moraine's coin. Yeah. And he doesn't know why. And I wonder, does he sense at some level that, that it's a magic coin? Oh, maybe he would, right? Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. And then Tom explains uh, about his nephew Owen, which is, which is why he's been helping these boys, because they're tangled up with the Tarvalon, and so is Owen. Uh, again, this is the sort of thing you say to someone right before you die. Yeah. Here, let me tell you my backstory, in case we don't get to talk again, <laughs> right, yeah, for let, some reason. Let me fill in any plot holes that might have come in through. <laughs> and then they try to sneak through town, which doesn't work at all, because they walk immediately into the Mirdral in yeah. the town square. Like, zero stealth on this guy, right? He just, like, he's just walking through the town, like, let's do this, you know? Yeah. Again, kind of weird for a mirror draw. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, Tom tackles it, yeah. <laughs> which surprises the mirror draw. People don't tackle mirror draw very much. <laughs> yeah, like the, everyone's surprised. Tom's surprised, the mirror draw's surprised. Yeah. And it, I mean, yeah, there you go. And it, he, uh, he does it so Rand and Matt can run. Uh, this is a very fly, you fools moment. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And Rand and Matt run all the way out of town among the panicky crowd because a bunch of stuff explodes and there's lightning and stuff. Yeah, don't know what that's about, but that, that's... That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so they have cover. So uh, Tom is deadzo. Yeah. Because he, no one survives an encounter with the mirror doll, especially if they've only got their second best knives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gleeman uh, one-on-one with the mirror doll doesn't seem like a good good thing. Nope. And then uh, Rand and Matt head on down the Camelin Road. Walking. Walking. Travel chapters. Yep. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 27. Shelter from the storm. Icon of the leaf. Perrin and Egwene and Elias are traveling with the Tinkers. Uh, it's, it's super cool. It's a rolling festival. Um, let's see. I mean, it sounds pretty great. Like, song and dance every night? Sounds yeah. Sounds like blessed. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Even when they're they're moving, the wagons move very slowly, so everybody can just walk along, and the people are playing music. What do they feed the dogs, if not meat? Vegetables? I guess the dogs <laughs> go out and feed and hunt themselves. Maybe they themselves. hunt for themselves, yeah. yeah. Hunt for themselves. Oh, yeah, that would make sense if they did that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they address it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I have to say, Perrin is getting kind of like frustrated by this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I find it very relatable because like he's bored with travel chapters too. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, couldn't we just like, I don't know, skip to the next town and during a chapter break or something? <laughs> and Elias says, no, chill, bro. <laughs> this is cool. And Elias is right because it's not, they're not going to have a nice time for a long time. And don't get me wrong. I really enjoy the Tinker Party like culture, right? But yeah. you know, yeah. It's still travel chapters. Baron is really anxious to leave uh, because he's worried about the violence that they inevitably bring down to everybody around them. Mm-hmm. But Elias tells them that something is telling him to stay. I was wondering about this. Is this like Tavarin shit? Is this like Wolf Dream shit? Yeah, I don't know. It could be the Tavarinness of Perrin pulling on Elias or... Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know if we ever find out. It's it's like a, just a very like gut feeling, and he says he always listens to his gut feelings. Well, you know who really wants to stay? Egwene. 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 Yep. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Egwene's Tavarin, so maybe oh, that's why too. Elias yeah. is very very Tavarin. Yep. Yeah, she's she's gotten super involved with the Tinkers. She's you know dancing, dancing quote unquote, doing her tourist thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Tuatha'an ladies do extra sexy dances for Perrin. <laughs> and he just and, doesn't know what to do with yeah, himself. he clearly doesn't like it, so they do it even more. Yeah, yeah. these two rivers, I mean, I, oh, the two rivers folk are prudish as fuck, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the thing girls think it's hilarious. I, I feel for him right now, because like, someone's doing, I don't know, like a sexy belly dance for yeah. just me, while surrounded by like a hundred other people. I mean... Watching me, like, I, I like... I, are you? Are, are they trying to give me a boner? Like, are, is everybody watching to see if I get a boner? What's happening here? You know? I mean, presumably they are doing that because he's reacting so much to it, right? Like, I mean, he just like played it cool. That's, that's, that's being a bad host. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's clearly uncomfortable. There's a bit where he shifts like his seat, right? He's on a log and he kind of has to kind of shift uncomfortably oh. to another position. Uh huh. Like, oh, I know why that is. That's oh. <laughs> true. He's got to do the old tuck thing. Oh, yeah, that's you know. So okay, gotta, awkward yep. awful. He's got to shift the torpedoes to the other deck. It's a good point. God, being a guy sounds like the worst sometimes. It's, it's, uh, it's often, you know. Well, except for the whole like pay thing and the you know being able to pee standing up that's thing good. and yeah. like not having, having to give birth. Not having to give birth thing. Yeah, getting the stuff off the top shelf, pretty good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but but 
But getting boner is unexpectedly that part. It's like, <laughs> true. Yeah. Heavy is the burden. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but eventually, Baalzaman finds Perrin's dream. And he kills his wolf guardian. Yeah, is that a real wolf? Okay. It, I think it is, it, right? If, it's, if it is a real wolf, and it, it, it could be like one of the wolf spirits, and if he, if that's true, then it's permadead, right? Yeah. If yeah. you die in the wolf dream, you die for real. Oh, man, we don't even know which wolf that is. Yeah. Also, he he throws a raven at Perrin, and it pierces his left eye. So was Matt? did Matt get that dream too? Oh, maybe. Probably, uh, right? The other wait, boys? Why? Well, because the eye thing, yeah. yeah, a raven and a piercing his eye thing, oh, yeah, which yeah. is just a totally a Matt thing. Yeah, that's it totally was a Matt thing, dream, right? yeah. But they've all had similar dreams, so I'm wondering. Well, maybe Balzaman didn't know which one was which, and he just gave him he gave him a Matt dream. Yeah. You know? Like uh, if it was a parent dream, it would be like the the axe was pulling him down or or into the, the hammer. No, the axe is heavier than the hammer. It's yeah, like on a scale or something. <laughs> but also, I every time I read this, I think, oh man, Perrin's gonna wake up with no eye. Right? Because mm-hmm. he just got his eye stabbed. And yeah, that's what are the rules here? So, yeah. yeah, not this one. Yeah. yeah, not this one. Pretty sure you need to have both eyes to be a good blacksmith. Mm. Uh, death perception, death right? Perception. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, probably. At least to do precision work. And uh, then it's... Uh, Perrin wakes up and it's time for them to leave the Tinkers. And interestingly, Elias thinks so too. And Ryan, the, the Seeker, also thinks so. Like, they're, they're changing yeah. their direction of travel because yeah. there's something... Something has spooked him. Yeah, they keep looking at the sky, and it's kind of—it's very vague about what's happening. But they—they they seem to be able to sense something in the air. Yeah, what is that? Do you suppose this is maybe some kind of actual power holdout from their their ancestors as Aiel, as the original Aiel? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. I would say it may have something to do with the power because Nynaeve can like listen to the wind, but it was Rain who's saying, and that's a dude. So I don't know. Yeah, not channeling. Yeah, so yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Could be like a storm pressure kind of feeling, I wonder. Yeah, it does seem like a storm's coming, but not a real storm, a metaphorical storm. Right, right. Uh, and there's this uh, long, sad parting with the, the tinkers. Uh, they all they, they all shake hands, and they, they Elias gives them the, the official parting, which he doesn't like to say, but it's very nice of him to do. All of the tinker girls press their boobs against Perrin's chest to make him uncomfortable. Try and give him a boner again. Yeah. <laughs> one last chance. Yeah, right. <laughs> See if he pops one. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Egwene and Aram have their, their it's little a, parting. Give them a two off a hard on. Uh, <laughs> that's not bad. It's, it's like, could be worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the Egwene, there's a sick burn from Egwene yeah. that I kind of liked, actually, where she says that, uh, that a parent asked, why were you talking with Ela the whole time? And she's like, oh, you know, give me advice on how to be a woman. And Perrin says, oh, well, no one gives us advice on how to be men. We just do it. And she's like, well, that's why you suck at it. <laughs> that's pretty good. Like, that's got good. him. So, got him. So advice on how to be a woman. Is this like uh, like sex talk? I, I think it probably revolves around don't have sex with Iram. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, here's the thing about being a woman. Don't have sex with Iram. <laughs> yes. I mean, like, if you think about the advice Robert Jordan would imagine an older woman giving to a younger woman, it's probably all about, like, how to manipulate men and how, like, you have to lead them and here's how you lead them. Oh, yeah. Them yeah, you don't, you don't like give them the, the Never whole... be nice to them. Always keep them off balance. Yeah, punch them in the gut occasionally just to make sure that they know that you know, like them or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, that's probably true, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, 
yeah, I, I was just curious, but yeah, it, it is pretty pretty great response for sure. Yeah. Uh, Parent also hears the wolves talking about the dream, and uh, they they seem to imply that he would be better protected if he embraces his wolf powers. And Perrin, of course, does the opposite. He's like, no, I'm blocking it out. Even, yeah. I found out I could turn the wolves off. And so he does. <laughs> oh, this is I like Perrin, but this is frustrating. It, just... And unfortunately, he does this for a long time. I remember yeah. that, too. He like These characters get so good later. Mm-hmm. But for now. Huh. Chapter 28. Footprints in air. Icon of the staff. Uh, Nynaeve and Maureen and Lan are in Whitebridge now. Uh, Maureen is driving Nynaeve crazy by uh, just sort of being polite with her. Yeah. It, it occurred to me at this moment, I know they've been doing this for a little bit, that they all were divided into neat trios, right? You have uh, oh. you have Maureen, Lan, and Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. You, have, uh, you have Matt, Rand, and Tom. Right. And you have Perrin, Egwene, and Bella. Oh, I was going to go with Elias, but okay. Oh, right. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though. It's the two. It yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that works out. It's it's, uh, it's clever. Yeah. Also, and, uh, Lan, Lan is also driving Nynaeve crazy with just how incredibly sexy he is. <laughs> it's like, oh, too sexy. There's a, a a second here where I think Nynaeve's block is actually foreshadowed a little bit. Um, it's right here at the beginning of the uh, the chapter. Uh, sometimes against her will, Nynaeve found herself thinking of what a wisdom could do with one power of what she could do. Uh, whenever she realized what it was in her, her head, a flash of anger burned it out, and I was like, "Oh, is this like a huh. uh, like a, a hint at the way that her her block works later?" Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's all tangled up with her emotions in that way, especially yeah. anger. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. There's also this this chapter is also using a thing that I've noticed as like a a narrative like pattern that Jordan likes, which is starting at the end and then backtracking. Like you say, okay, we arrive in Whitebridge, and then the next like. Chapter is about yeah, their yeah. getting up to here's how friends. it happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it works. I think he's he's really good at putting together these chapters, at least yeah. at the beginning of these books. Yeah, but mostly the travel was just uh, naive working through her crush with on land mm-hmm. and her dislike of Morian, I suppose. Right. Yeah, and uh, they they're all feeling kind of oppressed by the Dark One's touch on the world, like they sense it. You know, Morian puts her literally puts her hand out and senses the Dark One's touch. Yeah, mm-hmm. and naive I think mentions that she can feels something like the yeah. the wind, like how she lifts the wind. Right, and and I assume Lan is is oppressed too by just how, how much he's into Nynaeve. Yeah, <laughs> oppressed by the breast. And how Nynaeve is like causing problems with his boss. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Uh, they get to Whitebridge though, and it is partially burnt, and nobody will say exactly what happened. Yeah, so it kind of, like my read here is that a mob formed, they went, tried to go after a bail Domon, and they burned down half their hometown. Yeah, that's I kind guess, of my read. Yeah, I guess that's it. It was like a mob looking for Myrdals and dark friends. Small towns, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Maureen can tell that the two boys were there, and then because she knows they're okay and doesn't know which way they went, she decides to go off after Perrin. Yeah, which is interesting. You know, they had spent all this time following Rand and Matt, and now they're changing their minds. Yeah. It's fine, I guess. Makes sense. <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, it does make sense because she, she makes the point that they're going to go to Camelin. They know to go to Camelin. They'll end up there. So if we go to Camelin, we'll find them there. Now let's go find this guy who's clearly nowhere fucking near Camelin. <laughs> so this is this is confusing because, like, a, you know, it's narrowed down to one of these three is going to be the dragon, right? One of yeah. these three boys. They're all Tavaren. But it's got to be fucking Rand, right? Why? 
because he's clearly Aiel. <laughs> clearly uh, descended from the Aiel, unlike these other two kids. It's like you basically line these guys up and pick which one is different. You pick Rand. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. why is she even bothering with Perrin? Uh, I mean, I guess you gotta be you gotta be sure, right? I guess you don't know for sure. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but but. I guess, yeah, I guess. Yeah, because, like, what, what does she know? She knows that it was a baby that was born very, very far away, and then she shows up in a village super far from that where two of the guys look like everybody else and one of them doesn't. Like, yeah. Looks like an Aiel. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, and you can, like, come on. You can maybe ask, like, hey, Master Luhan, where was Perrin born? And he can be, like, right over there. Yeah. And uh, you, that's a good point. Okay, that doesn't really. Hold <laughs> no, <up. laughs> it does seem pretty obvious in retrospect which one of them is the. The one. Yeah. The dragon baby. So, that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 29 through 32 of The Eye of the World again. I am Jeff Lake. You can find me at jefflake.info. I'm Alice Sullivan. You can find me at Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Michael Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at armadillo.club. We love hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think might like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please find out how you can give us your dollars at armadillo.club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.